1: Thank you for joining us today. Now that Christmas is over, Pastor Rander challenges us with a life changing question. How will we live after Christmas Day? The fact that we are able to hear today's message tells us that God has extended his grace to us in a new year, an opportunity to live for him on earth and ultimately with him eternally in heaven. Will we do what we've always done? Or will we commit ourselves to consistently seek God, hear God, trust God, and obey God? The Bible instructs us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding. Without Him, we can do nothing. With Him, nothing shall be impossible. We must be totally committed to Him, just as He is totally committed to us. He's given us another chance. What will we do with it? Have your Bible close by and have pen and paper handy. Have your Bibles. Turn with us to the book of Matthew, chapter 2,
2: verse 2. That'll be the first a scripture and we will have select selected scriptures that we will be addressing in this morning's message. The title of this message is how will you live after Christmas day? How will you live after Christmas day? After you've taken down the decorations After you've taken down the lights, after you've taken down the Christmas nativity scenes in the yard. When Santa and Rudolph can no longer be seen. When the parties are all over now. The frantic shopping has come to a screeching halt. When the credit card has been overused when family and friends have all now gone home and said goodbye, then how will you live after Christmas Day? My friend, if you lived on your emotions during this Christmas season, if you fell for the hype and stress yourself out preparing for the Christmas season, then how will you live your life now that the Christmas festivities are over Perhaps now you are in a better position to hear this message because of the hustle and bustle being over perhaps now you can really hear what God wants to say to you this morning So here's the question so just what do you do with your life after Christmas day What do you do with your life after Christmas Day, number one, just because Christmas Day has passed doesn't mean that you stop celebrating the Christ of Christmas. Now, that's what we got to get. Christmas Day may have passed, but you do not stop celebrating the Christ of Christmas. Every day, Christ should be the object of your worship. Let me say it again. Every day, Christ should be the object of your worship. Like the wise men, worship Christ. Matthew 2, 2 says, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 also says, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down, there it is again, and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Beloved, worship is so essential if you want the Lord to maximize himself through you. Worshiping Christ should be a lifestyle. True worship praises God for his undeserved blessings. True worship praises God for his protection. True worship praises God for his divine deliverance. And it also increases our expectation as to what the Lord is going to do through us in the coming year. My friend, you cannot genuinely worship God until you first surrender your life to him. Also, genuine worship involves giving to God sacrificially because you love him so much. The scripture says in 2 Samuel chapter 24, 24b, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. The wise men presented gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the Christ child the king of the universe, God in human flesh. What was your sacrificial gift to Jesus this Christmas season? Psalms 116 verse 12 says, What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? How many of you know God's been good to you? How many of you know God has done great things for you? How many of you have seeing God's multitude of blessings and provisions and deliverance just for you? In return to what God has done for you, what are you going to offer him? Number two, be mindful that Christ is with you and you are not alone. This will help you as we approach the coming year. Be mindful that Christ is with you and you are not alone. You say, how do you know that? Because of Matthew 1, which says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Underline those last three verses, uh, the last, last three words. God with us, Emmanuel. As I preach this message this morning by radio, television, internet, wherever it's going, perhaps you are single. Perhaps you are a widow or widower. Maybe you're elderly and your family and friends are not around right now. Be mindful that our Lord left his throne in glory, humbled and subjected himself to his own creation just for you who are single. God came just for you who are widows and widowers. God came just for you who are elderly. He was born not only to be with us, but also to be in us if we would only open our hearts and receive him as our Lord and Savior. This is the only way that God will be with you. Even Mary, the mother of Of the Christ child, rejoice in the babe of her own womb and acknowledge him as the God of her salvation. You say, well, you see that in Luke chapter one, verses 46 through 47. She had to trust her own child who is God for her own salvation. She not only saw him as a child, but even more, her child, but even more and greater, infinitely greater. She saw Jesus, her own child, as God in human flesh. Luke 1, 46 and 47 says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced. Look at this. In God, my Savior. In God, my Savior. This is The mother of Jesus saying, this child is God, my savior. Believing the marvelous truth that God is with us will remove our doubts. When you know without a doubt that God is with us and with you, it removes worry and calm our fears. Beloved, refuse to allow Satan to seduce you into living in fear because Christ is our Emmanuel, meaning that he is with us. In Hebrews chapter 13, 5b through 6, it says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Look, never, never means what? Never. I will never leave you nor forsake you. How reassuring that is. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Why will you not fear? Because he said in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then he turns around and the scripture says, what can man do to me? Man may take your body. He may even kill the body, but he can't touch your soul. Number three, as we close out this year. Listening to God is a matter of life and death. You need to write this down, and and young folk, you really need to write it down. This is so, so critical. Listening to God is a matter of life and death. Look look, look at this passage. Listening to God is a matter of life and death. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15a says, now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, "Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt. Flee means what? Run. Now, some of y'all wouldn't run. Y'all just hung around. I want to see what's going to happen. But flee means run. When God tells you to run, when God tells you to run, you better run, because something's about to happen. When God says run, you better run. And you better run fast. Don't ask questions. Don't hang around. Run. He said, "Run to Egypt. Don't don't walk. Don't track. Run and stay there. Look at his listen, He's listening and stay there. Look at these instructions until I bring you word. Don't you move till I tell you so. I, I don't care what your family's saying. I don't care what people are saying. Don't you move." Until I tell you to. Now that's why some of y'all get in trouble. You move before God tell you to move. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Verse 15, and was there until the death of Herod. Now notice in the passage, notice in this passage. Joseph didn't say, when, when receiving instructions by the angel of the Lord, Joseph didn't say, I'm tired, I'm sleepy, Lord, wait till I get more rest. He didn't say, I don't feel like it, God. I'm too busy, God. He didn't even procrastinate. He did not put God on hold or delay like many of us today. But listen and responded immediately to the instructions of God through the angel of the Lord to protect the young child's life. To the contrary, so many believers today get themselves in trouble because they listen to the media, they listen to people, celebrities, politicians and friends to their own spiritual and physical detriment. Beloved, listening to God, listening to God will de-stress you. You want less stress in your life? Start listening to God. You want your blood pressure to go down? Start listening to God. You want to settle your life down? Start listening to God. He'll provide direction for your life. When you listen, He provides wisdom in decision making. When you listen to God, he brings structure to your life. You're not all over the place. Your life is not just scattered. You're not disorganized. God brings order and structure to your life. When you have a heart that is open to the voice of God, you will not miss when God is speaking and through whom he will speak. When you're listening, your heart is open. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. When I, before I read a passage, I often pray. Before reading, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so so God, God wants to speak, but will you let him? Here's something else you must consider. Not only will God speak, but don't be surprised through whom he will speak. Sometimes God will speak through a child. And you know that child is speaking from God. I've had that experience. Sometimes God will speak through your parents. There are times when God will speak through a stranger. Sometimes, oddly enough, God will even use a pagan to speak to you. God has a lot of ways of getting your attention. Also, to hear God, you must possess a quiet spirit. Some of you can't listen to God because you're too noisy. You love hearing yourself speak, so you can't listen. You got to be quiet yourself in order to hear God. The Lord is not going to shout at you. Now, you might pass over that thought, but you need to write it down. Sometimes you think the Lord is not a screamer. He speaks in a still, small voice. He's not going to shout at you. Therefore, be still. Stop zipping and zapping all over the place. Pull yourself away from people. People has a way of causing you not to hear God. Pull yourself away from people and turn off the technology for heaven's sake. The greatest hindrances... From hearing the voice of God are noise, busyness, and distractions. You need to write that down. You're looking at me, but you need to write it down. You miss it. Your point, if I was to test you, this is one of the questions I would put on the test. What are the three greatest hindrances of, of not hearing the voice of God? And they are what? Busyness, huh? Noise, and distractions. Those big three keep us from hearing God. Number four, as we transition from one year to the next, you glorify the Lord by being a blessing and not a burden in the lives of people. You should be a blessing and not a burden. You shouldn't be making people's heart heavy. You shouldn't be a disturber of people's spirits. This is done by building and edifying others' not tearing them down through gossip, backbiting, and a critical spirit. Therefore, be quick to hear and slow to speak. Don't say everything you think. That's how we get in trouble. Now, a whole lot of things you will think, but you better not say it. And if you said you're going to wish you hadn't, how many of you have said something to this day you wished you hadn't said? I mean, I've said some things, and it wasn't like I cussed somebody out. But you just put your foot in your mouth, say the wrong thing at the wrong time, at the wrong way, and cause a lot of hurt and unnecessary pain. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, if you're going to be a blessing and not a burden. And and don't you become the problem. Be a peacemaker. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Are you... A peacemaker or are you a firebug? Do you light fires? Do you start stuff, uh, in the texting and the emailing and the, t- the tweets? Do you create mess? Are you messy or are you holy? You one or the other? Number five. Why y'all laughing? You laughing? I believe you laughing because it's true. You got some messy saints. When they come, here comes the mess. Number five, be thankful as we close out this year. Being thankful is not an option. It's a command. We are to live in a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Praising God is an act of worship that we need to be doing habitually, perpetually, continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, if you're giving thanks to his name, you can't be gossiping. If you're giving thanks to his name, you can't be messy. If you're giving thanks to his name, you can't be backstabbing and talking behind people's back. If you're giving thanks to his name, you, you won't be talking too much. Giving thanks to his name through your lips to the glory of God. There will be an inability to give thanks if we focus on the many surrounding destruction, turmoil, and chaos in our nation and world. If you focus on such things, you will find yourself three D's, discouraged, despondent, and depressed. Focusing on the turmoil and distractions all over this country and world. You end up discouraged, despondent, and depressed. Which will result in your not giving thanks to God even after Christmas. Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7 says, be anxious for nothing. Which means don't worry about anything. Don't stress out about nothing. Now you've got to trust God to do that. To not worry means you've got to have faith in Christ. To, to not be anxious means that you got to believe that God's word and God's promises are true. Don't be anxious, fretful, nervous, stressed, worried, taken aback by nothing. Is that in your Bible? By nothing. But in everything, by prayer, when you see something that's bad or not right, pray. And supplication, that's prayer, with thanksgiving. Thanking God in the midst of those circumstances, let your request be made known to God. Pray to God about everything. Matter of fact, pray for me. I need prayer. You think, pray for my wife. She need prayer. Pray for our marriage. Pray for our children, our grandchildren. Uh, Pray for your family. Pray for yourself. People saying, I'm praying for you. All of them not praying for you. You, to make sure you prayed for, you better pray for yourself. And never say, I'm praying for you, and don't pray for them. As a matter of fact, you ought to make it happen. When they say, well, you pray for me, you need to say, well, let's pray right now, lest you forget to, two days later. Just go and pray right then. Sell it right then, because you know you're going on to the next thing. Don't, don't say you're going to pray for somebody and don't pray. Look, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Listen to this. You must possess the peace of God before you can thank him in your heart. If your heart is all disturbed, worried, stressed, you'll not be able to thank our Lord for who he is and what he's done. Number six, refuse to stop singing to Jesus. Y'all got quiet then. You, you feel a song coming? Refused singing songs to Jesus. Singing to the Lord will lift your spirit. Singing to the Lord will encourage your heart. Singing to the Lord will remove depression. Uh so You say, how do you do know all this? Because of what the scripture says. Psalms 100 verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Psalms 59:16 says, "But I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud, say aloud. There it is aloud. In other words, you ought to sing aloud to the God who's been so good to you. I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning, for you have been my defense." and my refuge. God has been your shield, your protector, your defender. He's been your refuge. He's been a safe place for you in the day of trouble. Have you ever had trouble come into your life? Some of you in trouble as I speak, and in the midst of trouble, he's your defense and your refuge, and you ought to return thanks by singing a song unto the Lord. The scripture says in Psalms 47, 6, sing praises to God. That's a command. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Look at that Psalms. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. And by the way, when we sing, we are tuning up for heaven. Because our singing going to transition us right into heaven. You say, how you know that? Because of what the scriptures say. What does it say in Revelation 5, 9? It says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy. How many of you know God is worthy? God is worthy. you ought the same because he's a worthy God to take the scroll and to open his seal. For you were slain. He was crucified and have redeemed us. He purchased our salvation us to God by your blood. He atoned our sin out of every tribe, every tongue, and people, and nation. Jesus made salvation available for all, for everyone, but only those who trust him alone by faith through grace will experience salvation from God. You are the same because you saved. You are the same because You ought to sing because you're redeemed. You ought to sing because you have been bought with a price. You ought to sing because of the atoning work of Calvary. With all of these scriptures on singing, why are you not singing aloud to Christ? When you reflect on who God is and what he has done for you in spite of yourself, you can't help but sing a song unto the Lord. Now singing needs to be biblically correct. They have some songs that need to be thrown in the trash can. I'm leery about a song, song. There's no Christ in it, no God in it, nothing about the Trinity, nothing about the Holy Spirit, nothing about Christ. and folks just they sang in it. It just what feel good song. I don't want feel-good songs. I want I want biblically correct songs that are theologically correct through the glory of God. And some of these songs are just one-liners. They're just one-liners that they've got to sing over and over and over. I wonder about these songs that are just one-liners. You tell me that's all you got is one line? And you sung that one line over for 40 minutes. I'm not hard of understanding. Let's get another phrase, another stanza. Or something, you're saying, Lord is good, Lord is good, Lord, okay, now I know the Lord is good, now what else, give me some theology, give me some, I need some theology in the song, if, if there's no theology in the song, throw it in the basket. We want songs that honor Christ, exalt Christ, lift up the name of Christ. So, so when you start uh, singing those kinds of songs, listen, it builds you up. It edifies you. It, 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 it brings delight. To the heart, it encourages your heart. It lifts your spirit. It's when you sing Christ-centered, biblically correct songs, it changes your attitude. It refocuses your thinking. It removes depression, gladdens the heart, moves you to a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness, and makes you shout. I'm I'm, I'm so leery about people that can't shout. Now I'm not saying you got to be loud and noisy every time you come into us church. You ought not be predictable. There she go again. No, you'll not be a there she go or there he goes again kind of saint. You'll not be predictable. Sometimes you ought to, sometimes you need to be still and you need to just listen and say, speak. Your servant is listening. God doesn't work the same way every service. That's why we mix it up here. Because we, because God is a, He's a God of diversity. And, and there ought to be some, sh- there'll, there'll be times you ought to come. Sometimes you come in here and it feels like we're, we're a Presbyterian church and that's good. And I like that. That means we're thinking. I don't get upset because nobody, some people say, say amen, say amen. You know, I'm just trying to force the amens out of people and all that kind of stuff. And then sometimes you find yourself, you up on your feet and you shout, you can't hold your seat. And that's good because God just brought you through something. That's right. Your healing just came.
1: As Pastor Rander concludes this message, let us commit ourselves to the fruit of the Spirit as given to us in the Word of God. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Let us commit ourselves to giving our best service to God in all that we do. For when we give God's way, as His Word tells us, we will receive in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. If you enjoy this kind of Bible teaching,